0: He's born, he's born.
1: He can to hello and welcome back to one foot in the podcast this is part two of the wisdom of the witch last week tyler joined me to discuss dissect and break down this special from christmas 95 Tyler returns again. How's it going Tyler? Oh good thank you Tom. No, I'm looking forward to discussing the second half of this episode. It's been at least 30 seconds since we finished the first one so uh, <laughs> you're still on board. Yeah. That's good. Where do we so so far what's yeah. happened so in a nutshell Victor has had to make the journey up north an unknown unnamed city or town or village in the north in the snowy blizzards to clear out um, Ursula's is cousin, Ursula of Margaret's house, who sadly passed away. Yeah, Patrick's got himself mixed up in someone else's affairs. Um, a secretary and her jealous boyfriend is led to believe Patrick is having an affair, which he is, of course, not. That's really what's happened. There's, I mean, there's, you know, you would have listened to last week. We went off on a tangent in many cases, but we're now snowy blizzard in the north. Victor's had. The knowledge given to him on a plate. Literally, he's opened the boot. He's seen Patrick, and it's quick explanation from Patrick of why he's there. And they are heading into Cousin Ursula's house, and that's where we left. It's, just, it's a brief scene where we're Pippa and Margaret. It looks like they've been waiting there all day, really, for waiting for the delivery guys. And it turns out the delivery van has broken down somewhere. Pippa's starting to get a little bit worried, so she's still waiting to move uh, properly move into her new home. So back, we're now in the the, the countryside house. The, I'm, I'm quite sure this is probably a stage, um, a set, sorry. It's probably a set. Yes. Pat, Patrick immediately spots a, a very large photo frame of a like a tarantula spider. Victor's a little bit clumsy with this because he can't quite read the room. Patrick's clearly got this fear, arachnophobia sort of fear. And um, Victor will basically be compassionate about it. That his phobia, but he's a little bit not subtle with what it's just a spider, you know. And the camera pans in on the photo, and it's it's captioned Edwin with spooky music.
2: Yeah, so, nice, nice, nice bit of business there because it's a it, the, the camera, like, say, it close it, 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 There's a close up of the name plate on the painting. Hmm. Tells exactly who uh, or what Edwin is without any sort of any further explanation needed. Yeah. That's... Um, so we so it's a bird-eating spider,
1: basically. And if your peepers aren't too good, if your vision is not what it was, you might not be able to read that name. Not that visible. I'm just looking at it now. It sort of is. It's sort of on a brass plate, isn't it, in, in black. There's a shot of the living room. There's a large mountain of snow coming through the broken window. Victor is trying his absolute hardest to hide, or to, sorry, to find Edwin, because obviously... Ursula kept this as a pet. He's going out through the kitchen to the, what I think is the conservatory. There's a hole at the yeah. top of the conservatory. And of course the glass cage the, box, the that tank. Edwin. The tank, that's the word I was looking the for. The yeah. tank. This isn't the first time a, a wild animal's escape escaped from a tank, I think, with the python in the first series, which end up in Victor's luggage. But in this case, Victor is, is really going above and beyond to find this spider because of Patrick. there's... Yeah, there's some
2: fantastic physical comedy by Richard Wilson. I'm trying not to unnerve or alert
1: Patrick to anything. Yeah. But trying to obviously surreptitiously look for Edwin as well. It's, uh, it's not a vital part of the storyline, though, is it? We are talking about the moustache thing earlier. Apart from getting use out of it, uh, Richard Wilson's acting ability, comic acting ability, trying to hide terribly hide the fact that he's trying to find something, it's not really imperative to the story, is it? No. You know, it's this build-up to Edwin. Who's Edwin? Oh, it's just a spider, but it's do- it doesn't really matter, does it? It's just another dynamic for. Well, it, it yeah, it it gives it pads out some scenes, I suppose, and it gives
2: them it, it gives them some chances to do some some physical comedy, but it kind of climaxes, and we'll get to it later. But it doesn't really, again, it doesn't really pay off at
1: the end. No, no, that's right. So, so we get a little bit of backstory to. Meldry's extended family or Margaret's extended family, he does mention that Ursula lived with Walter, husband, mm. two, two years ago.
2: I think she lived with him before she died. I don't think she lived with him after she died.
1: <laughs> I got, I word that so terribly. I wrote Ursula lived with Walter two years ago before he died. Right. Okay. So he's died obviously before she. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a tiny bit of backstory for the yeah, extended family. Victor's still on the hunt for everyone. He's in the bathroom. Bit of a hammy prop, I think, this fake spider. It's all in the acting, someone, isn't it? Someone with a spider puppet on their hand. <laughs> they got yeah. through,
2: a fake, through a, a fake lavatory.
1: It happened uh, in Men um, Badly with Tony brought a snake from a, a mate at the pub and he obviously regretted it when he woke up and he tries flushing it down the toilet and it it's quite horrific, actually, when I watch that. If you watch Men there's Badly, there is an episode where He's, he's tried to flush the snake, and he opens up the uh, lid, and it comes flying out, like almost attacking Tony. It's quite unexpected. I don't what remember I just, that. I don't you know, remember it's, that. Um, no, it's, it's uh, slightly different this time. The spider is just trying to eke his way out. And now it's business as usual, where Patrick spots Victor acting seemingly weird and suspicious, and Victor's just trying to protect him. He's not telling him why he's you know, acting strange. And it's Patrick being a dick. It's Patrick...
2: Um, who has been who unwittingly saved by Victor from, you know, getting serious GBH. Yeah, you know, uh, Victor's taking him into the house. He's offered him warmth. He's offered him clothing. Yeah. And Patrick's still being still being, yeah. very kind of snide, very kind of gittish. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And it's just the fact that Victor is trying to coax this spider out with a banana. So he looks like he's... Was- <laughs> Doing a comic wee with a pretend willy. So Patrick's on the telephone checking in to home. I think he's leaving a message, actually, isn't he? Is he leaving a voicemail? Oh, I he's think he's think... on to an employer. Sorry, he's, he's, I think he's called work. So he obviously, hasn't got a telephone, yeah. has he? Because he's moved. So he's calling work, mm-hmm. leaving a message.
0: Yes, if you could tell her that I spent the morning in the boot of a car inhaling a rancid Wellington, <laughs> and the afternoon up to my ears in a frozen duck
1: pond. Uh, that I'm now in a deserted old house with a madman who, um, actually just say madman, she'll know who it is. <laughs> and that it's currently snowing in the sitting room. Uh, but otherwise, everything's fine, and uh, I'll talk to her soon. I'd appreciate that. Thank you. Goodbye. I think they mentioned an address, didn't they? 16 Gallipoli. Gardens? Gardens. Is that their yeah. new address? Yeah. Um, yes. Great little line. He's just trying to describe to his colleague. To help to describe to Pippa, who he's staying with, bit tight on Victor, but it's still funny. There's a shot again of the window, the broken window in the living room with all that snow flying in. There's there's no effort being made to sort of cover that up. I don't suppose they could exactly. I would have made some attempt to board that up personally. It might have been a shoddy job, but better than what they've done. But they're cooking in the kitchen now. It's quite sweet. Victor's preparing some sort of bolognese or something. And they're having a little bit, yeah. of a, bit of a funny to, to and fro with what you, how you should be cooking and what ideal type of mince to buy. It's almost like you'd expect in their world this to be the sort of conversation women have, but they are having this conversation. Why are you getting? I,
2: yeah, I, I was getting odd couple vibes. The original yeah.
1: odd couple.
0: There you buy this mince, do you? What's wrong with it? It's extra lean. You can get super lean now at Tesco's.
2: The sort of Jack Lemon and, and Walter Matow, where one's a bit prissy and a bit and the others sort of just kind of doesn't really care. Um, and and Victor's very domesticated.
0: And use a rubber gloves. Don't chop up onions with your bare hands, surely to goodness. Why not? Why not? Because in three weeks' time when you pick your nose, you'll still be able to smell them on your fingers. <laughs> Don't you know anything about cooking?
2: That's one thing about Victor's character. He is very... He does stuff that... Again, this is a generalization, but a lot of men of his age, of his generation, yeah. would not necessarily do.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, he prepares meals, he goes shopping,
1: he does housework. Yeah. Um well, he's, had to, he's, he had seems, time, he's had time to learn though any since being retired, I suppose.
2: True, true. But then a lot of men retire and just go and play golf or
1: yeah, whatever, you know. That's, that's also true. Um
2: but yeah, there's a kind of there's a kind of a bonding between the two characters in this scene. Kind of a
1: bonding. It is sort of, isn't uh, it? The, 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 mm. It is back to their normal sort of dynamics. But they even more so later, they've never got on so well in a minute. And also he warns Patrick just to, to, to go easy on the sustenance. They could be there for, you know, for, for weeks. I think mm. probably not, to be honest with you. I mean, if that's the first lot of snowfall, I know snow can stay settled for you know a good couple of weeks, but I'd have thought they'd find a way out within a day or two nitpicking sorry podcast etiquette always nitpick um <laughs> next well, that's the purpose of that's the purpose of podcasts is to it nitpick. Is, yeah got license to be nitpicky and you know ain't all about everything yeah pippa and margaret a little bit worried they're back at home sorry i buy back at home they're in still in the new home they've also been there all day margaret very loyal so sticking around with pippa pippa's just seen off whoever's just said pat is okay i think it was the employer one of his employees yeah the car's been found pippa's a little bit annoyed that um, it's just a battery change. And this this is like their delivery company is taking this long over a battery that needs changing. And the letters arrived. Bizarrely, it's for Margaret. And it's a, a letter enclosed with 400. It's actually 475 pounds. and Gridley or Constable and Gridley. I can pronounce it wrong. A bit of a reveal. Cock up has ensued, which we'll know more about in a minute. But the scene does switch to Patrick and Victor a little bit sozzled on whiskey, the whiskey that Victor probably had forgotten to pick up at the supermarket, which collected. Are they playing backgammon or something? Or what are they playing? Yeah, It's
2: it's an old, uh, it's an old uh, backgammon set. Yeah. The old, the old uh, wooden board game thing. Um, But yeah, uh, Victor's a bit more uh, uh, drunk. I I
1: love it. I, I absolutely adore this scene up until it, goes, tits up for him. You
0: know, it's a bit nice that we've had this little bit of time together, don't you think? In the end, I was just saying to Margaret yesterday, I'm going to miss Patrick and Papa. (laughs) What is
1: it? He even raises a smile from Patrick, especially when he he goes to shake the dice, and he shakes the ice in his whiskey rather than the dice in the cup, and he goes all over the board and... Patrick even finds it amusing. It's really nice. Yeah, they're just getting on really well. They've also had a nice meal, a couple of drinks. The phone obviously rings at this point, doesn't it? Which Victor goes to uh, answer.
2: But he and also, but he also, sorry, just before the oh. phone rings, he does. He, Victor does. He, he basically kind of opens up to Patrick and he says, "I'm really, you know, I'm really. Uh, it's been nice. We've had this little time, and I'm really gonna miss um, Patrick and Panda." <laughs> and, then he, and then he, then he goes Patrick, and he he gets the names mixed up and. And he just finds it very amusing, sort of chuckling to himself. Yeah. Um. Uh. And then the phone rings, and he 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 he, he goes striding over to the phone, laughing <laughs> while he's walking over the phone, <laughs> and he picks it. Then he picks up the phone, and he does that that hello, very sort of um, uh, expansive um, mm-hmm. greeting. Just because you know he's he's in a good place, he's happy, he's had yeah. a few drinks, yeah. and then it all comes crashing down. Do
0: I gather that two? Removal men called round our house this morning, and you sent them next door because they'd got the wrong address. It reminds me, there was another cock-up narrowly averted, if ever there was one. It wasn't a cock-up. What? They'd got the right address. They weren't removal men. They were the people I rang up about Ursula's house. Don't you remember? I got them out of yellow pages the other morning. Tunstall and Gridley. They were a house clearance firm. <laughs> a house. Near-
1: Her rants are just as funny as Victor's. She'll let out a great growl. Whoa! She is in a pay, obviously in a payphone because there's no phone hooked up in Pippa's new house. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Tunstall and Gridley Tunstall and, Tunstall and Griddley. Yeah. Two men we've seen. They are not removal men who Victor directed next door to the trenches to help. They are simply house clearance people. They were supposed to go to Victor Margaret's to receive instruction on clearing out Ursula's house. Instead of that, Victor has accidentally sold every single item in the trenches property for 475 quid. <laughs> Even worse, Pippa or Margaret cannot get hold of these two clowns. They're not really clapping, it's unfair, but they they can't get hold of them, the phone's switched off, and I can't think of anything worse, because you can't even claim on the insurance for that, you've only handed, that. that, presuming these two guys are a legit organisation, they said, well, we were paid money, I'm sorry, we paid money, but there's probably a receipt there as well, to take all the stuff. There's nothing illegal about that. So I can't think of anything worse for Patrick and Pippa at this stage. All for Victor, because they've just about built bridges, Victor and Patrick. They have, yeah. they have. Just about, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. just a smidgen of rejoice. There's a, a
2: suggestion of a almost like a, a, a grudging friendship between them, mm. or, or, or developing. And, and then we get a return to what we've had, what, two instances of? Of characters delivering bad news or negative news. Yeah, you know, in a slightly blasé, almost kind of offhand way, because yeah. Victor's—I mean, Victor—Victor Victor knows that he's done wrong, but he's had a few to drink, and he's kind of—he tells Patrick about the fact that all—all—all um, all, all of Patrick's furniture has been taken away to be sold at a junk shop, <laughs> and he says it—he says it, kind of giggling or laughing
1: or a little bit yeah. nervously, and then, it's he, a kind a funny of, then n- he kind it's of It's a very funny nervous laugh, isn't it? Yeah,
0: we one of those. House clearance places of all things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Yeah, and
2: then he just and then he just sort of sits down and says, "So, whose go is it? Yours or mine?
1: Let's get back to the game." <laughs> just he's that out of it. I think he can't quite understand the ramifications of his yeah accidental actions. But Pippa and Patrick should they still need to take responsibility for this to some extent because those two chaps, Stunthor and Gridley, she didn't even confirm who they were. Oh, you know, are you such and such? Well, you might not say it like that, but I feel like... Well, you no would certainly of... say,
2: you, you would certainly say, right, you've got the address in Gallipoli Gardens, haven't you? You've got yeah. the right address, haven't yeah. you? Can you be careful with that? Because, you know, that's... Can you, can you take that up to the top
1: bedroom? when you? He wasn't being very vigilant. though. Well, they both weren't very vigilant in that regard, but nevertheless... It's yeah. it's it a small possibility this could happen. Very small. But <laughs> very those small. two blokes would be like, what are you on about? We're, we are just taking this. We're not going anywhere. But there you go. So immediately, oh, I don't know how long, how many hours later, Pippa and Margaret arrive. So they've driven all that way to collect Pippa, uh, Patrick. How many times are they going to get their names mixed up? Collecting Patrick P- and P- they're going to. Patrick. Patrick to stay in a hotel. Just somewhere for the night. And they want to get away from Victor. Yeah, but they're going to go
2: to the sex hotel, and that's always a bad idea.
1: <laughs> spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> so Patrick and Pippa check into a hotel. Looks quite quite a clean, less cluttered version of um, Ursula's, shall we say? And Patrick's greeted by quite a casual, I, but I would say unprofessional but friendly enough owner. Sort of a mm. cigarette in hand, <laughs> glass of drink in the other, offers them the honeymoon suite just what they need after lately I think and uh, the the owner sort of says you know we like to give people a good time it's a bit suggestive I think and that the the hotel room they're shown into is sort of a peachy dusky pink old-fashioned but clean and warm tidy we happen to learn it's a Sunday as Pippa said the police are unlikely to track anything down on a Sunday so we may as well relax and this room comes equipped not only with soap and shampoo and towels but sexy laundry and a mm. flower and something unseen under the pillow, which we can only imagine yeah. what that is. And um, yeah. we're sort of, th- I don't know if this stage are we thinking anything unusual. I, I wouldn't say so. When I first watched this, I wouldn't have thought that's it's whatever. It's a bit, you know, naughty. Well, but
2: <laughs> if if you've watched enough episodes of this program, you know that this will be leading to something that is going to, that is going to, um, that that will not be to the benefit of Patrick and Pepper. Um, yeah, true. <laughs> By the way, did you recognise the Lorna, the, um, the hotel owner? Did you recognise the actress? Because she's been in... Um, I know she's been in certainly one episode of Only Falls. Let me just go um, back a
1: minute. I can't say I do straight away. It's not obvious. I'm, I'm not going to cheat and look on IMDb. It to put me up my misery. She, she,
2: Well, she was she was one episode. she been in one episode of Only Falls. I can't tell you which one, but I know she's been in one because I've seen her in it. Um, but she was... I know her from um, a really... Uh, Successful John Sullivan sitcom in the eighties called Dear John. Dear John. She was the woman who ran the what was it singles singles group, you know for for um divorces.
1: I've watched Dear John for a long time. Yeah,
2: she she was Louise who who sort of organized a group, and she was also in um,
1: Darling Buds and May, right? Regular character. Anyway, she says this is Lorne. I'm just I am now looking at IMDb because I'm curious to see what. Which which fool's episode she starred in. Oh, yeah, Lil. Oh, Lil. Okay, so into Hullenback, she is in the cafe, she's the cafe owner, right? Where she's interacting yeah. with Denzel. Yeah, and that's she, right. She, that's says, right. she, she yes. says the line, you know, there's no telling what stresses you lorry drivers go through. You know, you're dark around the eyes, and Denzel goes, I'm dark everywhere, Lil. It's quite a funny, <laughs> <laughs> risque response, but that's fine. This romantic bedroom. Pippa sort of calls out loud to, to Patrick, you know, she's referencing his mustache. This is where the mustache comes in. She's from, mm. you know, um, she's all for she she doesn't mind that he's got this mustache. No, no, no problem. That I think she's she quotes ridiculously looking moustache. And as she says that, Patrick walks in and he's just shaved it off. And um, they have a they share a kiss and he goes off to get some ice, I think. Uh, this is this is the stage where Patrick is in the in the hallway. There's some sort of drunk guests that come out of the lift. They sort of bump into him and they usher him into another bedroom because it's a bit of fun. There's something um, going down. You know, come and see it.
0: Don't worry about
2: it. Everyone's cool tonight. <clears throat> hey, 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 where are you going? You're going to miss all the action. Hmm? Looks like being a good one, Lorna said. I don't know where they're from. Last minute arrivals or something.
1: I don't think he wants to. He, he, he all but gets... I'm just looking at it back, he yeah. Well, get, it, 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 There's he does obviously dra- something going on. He does get dragged in. I just—he does physically get dragged in. He's got his it's half his shirt off, and you have got about a dozen people, almost like watching a cinema screen, but like one of those detective uh, window it's, mirrors, it, it's camera t- mirrors. It's a
2: two-way two-way mirror, and uh, and you've and you've got Janine Davidsky there, <laughs> being unusually um, being unusually. Um, sexy i shouldn't say that but you know what i mean she she normally
1: you can say anything on this pod more or less (laughs) she
2: she norm she normally plays quite although I mean Pippa's got quite a backbone to her but she the the actress normally plays quite mousy characters doesn't she kind of downtrodden characters I would say Mm -hmm. and and this is her sort of um feeling very
1: emboldened. You've seen her in um you've seen Janine Davitsky in Benadorm right I haven't seen (laughs) Benadorm. She plays Oh you're gonna tell me she's a stripper in that or something is. <laughs> she and her on-screen husband are a sex couple basically and oh um, right yeah. okay so yeah to this stage this actress i don't think she's been anything like but even though she's been all sort of sexy and and um getting ready for patrick it is funny like it's a funny mm. that poor old pip has no idea that there's all these gawping eyes through the mirror. And Patrick obviously doesn't know what to do with himself. He's stood there at the back going, uh. so of course, tail between their legs, they are straight back at Ursula's house and realise that maybe they're probably better off. Or are they? Wow. Hmm. So uh, <laughs> we're, we're back at, the, yeah, like I said, tail between their legs. Pippa needs to go to the car to get the toiletry bag. They're both so pissed off at this stage, as you'd understand. Nothing's Nothing is going their way today. Um, Margaret and Victor are in bed. And they're sort of talking about what's happened to Patrick and Pippa and the fact that um, Edwin's on the loose and just sort of summarising the events that's happened to them, really. I'll be very briefly. And they're they're keen to talk about Patrick and Pippa's tension, marital problems, which brings us back into Patrick and Pippa's room. And uh, Patrick's, uh, I think, he's been like a hot water bottle under, under the duvet. And he goes, I don't know why, but he goes to... Pull open the curtains, and who should be there is a bit of a again another jump scare. It's Melvin, absolute psychopath, just standing there, god knows how with
2: that with that dramatic musical sting,
1: yeah, to kind
2: of announce his presence. Yeah,
1: why does Melvin feel the need to hide until he's not in a? I suppose he doesn't want he doesn't know Victor and Margaret or whoever else may be there, so he doesn't want them to sort of call the police, I suppose. But it's quite... The, the broken windows now make sense. That's how he's got in through the living room mm-hmm. window. Yeah. He is full psycho. He's, he's confronting Patrick. And once again, it's that cross-communication mix-up where the Meldrews think Patrick and Pippa are having this argument because he can just hear Patrick calling out saying, you know, I didn't do anything. I didn't have an affair. But little do they know, Pippa's outside, and there's this stranger in 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 the room. It's just getting very Pippa's... violent, isn't it? You are dead, mate.
2: Why don't you believe me? We never did anything.
0: God, what's, what's up, up
2: in is... there now? Pippa's outside in the back the back seat of the car, cowering from Edwin, who's on yeah. the back seat. Yeah, and and then that that we never see what happens after that. That's what I'm saying. She like, comes he-
1: what was the point in Edwin? I don't. It's almost like futility of the fly. Series six. What was the point in that item? That that fly prop that was sent to them? There's no. Yeah. again, apart from it being funny, Victor trying to find or locate Edwin in the toilet and other places, it really didn't. There's no payoff to it, was there? I guess it was. As I say,
2: it just gave them the opportunity to maybe um, use up. Our- 6 7 minutes in terms of give you know victor business to do um you know tempting the tempted the spider out with a banana was funny you know stuff like that um a bit of uh um crosstalk with victor and patrick about patrick's arachnophobia i suppose yeah. it was just filling filling time more than anything um because so. otherwise otherwise what and, and it added an extra sense of drama. What else would they have done in that house, really? Other than I
1: suppose so. There's got to be a bit of spookiness to mm. it. But mm. but meanwhile, Patrick. Um, God, why could I? can Margaret and Victor struggling to get to sleep. It's getting a bit larry now. And at this point, Melvin is strangling Patrick with a coat hanger. Like he's twisting it around and around. It's so frustrating to watch. Like it's just like mm. it's like God. He's going to be dead any second now. Victor's had enough is it Victor who wants to sort it out or Margaret is one of them sort of, yeah, so of
2: Victor does as usual well I've had enough of this and sort of gets up out of bed and Margaret's telling him no leave them leave them and mm. he, he goes out goes out into the hall that's right um, yeah and and the thing is that he kind of crouches down to listen at the door and that and there's been noise right up to that minute he he put sort of puts his ear to the door and then he goes Oh, it's all gone quiet now, as if yeah. everything's fine, and he's, he's about to move away, and that's the point that um, uh, he gets an ice pick between the legs.
1: I know that's that is. I mean, I think that sort of thing thing's been done hundreds of times in film, isn't it? Comedy mm-hmm. or horror. Melvin is sort of chasing Patrick around the room like cat and mouse, and I don't don't remember them locking the door because Pippa's left the room. I, I just watching it, but I can't see obviously Patrick well, can escape. I think,
2: I think what happened was I think as Melvin sort of leapt out from behind the curtains, he ran over to the door and locked it before Patrick had a chance to right, pull okay. the key out. Um and you know for you know plot reasons obviously there was a spare key that fitted or another yes. key in the house that fitted yeah, w- that the Meldrews had access to.
1: Yeah, which um that's the point where you see Melvin strangling Patrick. It's really dark, isn't it? It's like this is mm. Mm-hmm. Patrick's usually got quite a laid-back situation in All Walks of Life, in One Foot Universe, and Fix v- has probably done, it's done the most heroic thing ever. They've opened the door. He's just charged in full pace like a raging bull. Through the, the the window he's obviously a stunt man officially, but let's not take yes. credit from the great man, Mister Meldrew. <laughs> saved his, I don't want to call him his enemy, but he saved his uh, foe. Let's call him his friend from yeah. certain death, and without thinking about it, he just put his life at risk, jumped out that window. And it's really like so, a horror. It's like a horror, proper horror story at this point because the, well, the I new... could see
2: this. I could see this sort of scene coming in um, Jonathan Creek. It's something that you would yeah. a slow, slow motion of of Victor and Melford going out the window and down into the, I think the conservatory, yeah. And then you've got Margaret obviously um, beside herself, um, yeah. basically trying to try to revive Victor or whatever. And and Pepper cam- that's when Pepper comes running in with no spider in tow. She just comes running in, um, and Margaret tells her to call for the ambulance.
1: Yeah, I. I'd also written down that the negligence from the police, because Melvin said all I had to say was my brother and my brother-in-law went missing, yeah. and they just yeah. told me the address of where. I can't remember the full background, but he asked the police, my, "My brother's gone missing. Where is he?" Because I think that was the before he, before Patrick could r- report into his employer, he was considered missing. But would that have been? I'm just trying to get my facts straight. Here. He wasn't reported missing, was he, Patrick, by the police, or was he?
2: Um, no, this is where I get confused about this
1: point. Yeah, so he he says, Coppers was so out for, told him about my missing brother-in-law, and they they gave me directions and everything. He's not been officially missing, has he? Pippa's not rang the police to say my husband's missing. She just thinks, like, well, Pippa's been stressed about the delivery men all day. It's only when she hears about Patrick. Oh, that's a funny one. I don't know. But the police have said, well, yes, we've um, been found in this address. Don't worry, he's here. So I think we have to assume that
2: in the, in the Maldry universe, and, sorry, we have to assume in the Melvo, Melville,
1: <laughs> I can't, we can't, but I can't pronounce names today. You've just joined me there.
2: <laughs> we have to assume in the Meldrew universe. Yeah. 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 That all figures of figures of authority are negligent, have a very sort of laissez-faire attitude towards doing their job.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah and we'll so. just
2: and we'll just give out information like that you
1: know? it's fine yeah it's a time before data protection and uh yeah. all the rest of it yeah it's like a psycho music soundtrack and as you say when Margaret's rushing down the stairs yeah, finds Victor in the conservatory he's sort of lying motionless on top of the uh well on top of melvin not of the Melvin and uh that takes us then back to the cemetery this is where we resumed the first scene with Margaret writing a very, very long letter. World's longest letter to her relative.
0: Anyway, Iris, the light will be going soon. And it's starting to get a bit chilly. So I expect I'll finish this later when I get home.
1: because I'd forgotten that that scene existed you know you get so caught up in the storyline of course so Margaret's just finishing telling the story to Iris Margaret uses yeah, so the, Margaret uses the phrase the light will be going soon and it starts to get a bit chilly I thought that was quite a, quite a meaningful sentence to use about what's coming in a way that the light will be well, going. Well it's,
2: it's to it's too, I think it's to invoke sort of a melancholic mel- melancholy uh, theme because then it you get a, a shot of a gravestone with Victor Beldrew and a, and and the dates slightly obscured by flowers. In terms of yeah, date, that's that date's born. That's coffee. Um, personally done, it's clever as well. Well, it's, it's it's obviously great misdirection. Yeah, for the audience. Um, and and she she and the next thing we see is Margaret letting herself into the kitchen. She's looking very somber, very uh, preoccupied. Um, Victor's cap is on the. Kitchen table, yeah, and she kind of looks at it. I think she picks it up and kind of looks at it, with a very sort of like sad expression on her face. And you can hear Victor's voice like oh, echoing.
1: There's a bit of reverb, reverb in it. It's like she's imagining yeah. it. Like oh, I like can't believe he's dead.
2: Exactly. Corrible. Exactly. And then instantly, you know, the 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 mood is the 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 down mood is instantly punctured.
0: by completely goes to pieces
2: by the moment she walks into the the sitting room the I mean room.
1: have you ever been relieved in a comedy because clearly <laughs> the lights I think if this is a live audience I imagine I think this part of the set would have been pitch black so when she opens the door the lights will be revealed so the audience get this yes. organic re, 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 reaction I presume it could be live it could have been screened live but what an I absolute think so. relief what a relief that is to see Victor Meldrew in all his glory he's got a broken arm or whatever and he's having his dinner on his lap and he's um, he's
2: raging he's raging at the snooker because he doesn't like the and I know and I can I can uh, actually sympathize with him because I was a big snooker fan well I am a snooker fan and it was around this time that they started putting the the mini cameras in the pockets so you'd see the balls going (laughs) in and I remember thinking that was a load of bollocks when I was yeah um I, I found it very distracting and and um but, yeah, the audience, you can hear the relief in the audience's laughter when the, you know, when she walks in and he's there and everything is, you know... Uh, Back to uh, normal. Reason is restored to her throne kind of thing, you know.
1: At um, least, least Victor's not um, managing the snooker switchboard, as seen in Dramatic Fever. Yes. Fans <laughs> yeah. get ringing up to vote for their shot at the tournament, but this time he's, he's, he's having a good moan about, <laughs> the, like you were saying, the camera angle. Camelot? Yeah. I don't know what I think. It's a time of day we're recording because I'm usually a little bit more with it of an evening. Well, I think
2: we've been we've been talking for what three hours now. I think,
1: oh, but sure. um, honest, it's a two-parter. Yeah, uh, it's it's yeah. That camera angle is dodgy. Like it does take you by brief surprise when you see a shot of that. Right, you know, it's the sound effect as well, and it's how Victor sort of you hear that shot, then you go in from you don't see it on the telly, obviously, but you see his response.
0: Oh, here's that weird angle again and you think the ball's going to shoot out of the screen and whack you in the eye.
2: <laughs> I can remember when the, the year that that, so it would have been about 94, 95, that they introduced that to the, to the snooker tournaments. Yeah. The, you know, the televised coverage. Yeah. And I can remember when that happened and there was a lot of um, uh, hoo-ha about it at the time. My, my friend Gary could probably tell you about it in more detail. He would know the ins and outs of, you know, of that. But, um but it's just one of those. It's it's like it's like um, Victor kicking off about changes. Doesn't yeah. like change. No one yeah. likes change, I suppose. Yeah. Kicking off about change, he'll get used to it and he'll forget about it. You yeah, know, yeah, a year later.
1: Yeah, it's a great reveal. And of course, you soon need to know. Well, who the hell was Margaret visiting and Whose grave was that? It's not impossible to uh, concede the idea at the time that that it could still have been Victor's grave, and it's just this is still another flashback. But it clearly isn't because Victor asked you know well no, Margaret says she just come back from the cemetery to put some flowers down on your dad's grave mm. um, I, I just wrote what a bastard Renwick is you know tugging <laughs> that at the heart sleeves for all that time because I still remember the feeling of watching this because I, I was getting into one for about this time 9495 old enough to be you know certainly of the live airings because up to this point I would have watched a couple on video. But, yeah, from about this Series 5 onwards, I would have been watching them as they were aired, or at least on a repeat briefly after they were aired. So I still remember what, that feeling of going, oh, my God, he was not dead. Thank God. And um, Well, yeah, yeah, it's Is Renwick is pressing all those
2: um, buttons oh, to it? achieve this emotional response from the audience. It's, again, it's, it's like with Dreamland, um, when we think for, for a short period that Margaret might be dead, or she, yeah. she certainly... And, and it happens again, and we won't, no spoilers for future episodes, but it happens again, you know, in terms of it, we think a character could be dead. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, uh, this is obviously a Christmas special, so there's no episode the following week. So yeah. you wouldn't have necessarily had the Radio Times yeah. for the following week when you're watching this episode and seeing, oh, actually, now he's not dead because yeah. he's in next week's episode. So, yeah, for all you know, it's that's it.
1: Yeah, he's, I think, he's I think Renwick's not negotiated another special at this point. Victor asks Margaret if, if he'd mentioned to Iris about the witch and his inaccurate, incorrect predictions. And she says, no, well, they can't get everything right, sort of saying blissfully. Sort of an undertone of sarcasm. Margaret reflects that like the witch said she would live a long and peaceful life while sort of looking in a, on in a sort of tired and worn out way. Victor, I think, responds with peaceful enough tonight which Margaret does agree with, but sort of subtle skepticism, mm. before hearing Victor moaning about the snapping of the sound that the television is making. So they've obviously got a dodgy telly set as he's sort of putting the world's to the rights and just things are back to normal. It's absolute heaven. I mean, up to that point, Victor had rejoiced in the idea that this witch got everything wrong. Well, not everything wrong. He still had to go through some hell, but he's with us still. We more or less end there with that look on Margaret's face to say, ah, oh, thank God. Yeah, she, she doesn't give a damn that, that
2: that he's kicking off again. She doesn't give a damn that, you know, he's being shouting at people. She's just happy that he's still alive and that he's yeah. still with her. Yeah. Um, he, I noticed, by the way, I, I noticed when he, he sort of stormed over to phone the TV repair shop or whoever yeah. it was, he picked up the phone. And I don't think he actually dialed. I just think he picked up the phone while he was still <laughs> ranting. And then the next thing he goes, Hello yeah but he, he's joking. probably got
1: them on quick dial because he's probably had to call them quite a few uh, times that's true um, yeah, and he, right, yeah as ever whoever he's getting through to they've got a bit of attitude with him um and he, that's he right. says I mean, is that the service department i heard that in the background yes you can tell him it's the the bold old bug with the attitude problem never mind going back to being a scarecrow so that scarecrow story has been is out there in the public domain or amongst the community. doing the rounds yeah doing doing the, the rounds. rounds, and that's where like mm-hmm. margaret sort of Smiles, takes the hat, and she just hangs it up. And it's thank God all back to normal. She goes upstairs. End of a hellish sort of week or so for them. (laughs) It's a bit like the end of Timeless Time with his retort. No, not Timeless Time. The trial where he's that finishes with a phone call to complain about the the bread with the the wig found in it. the bread, and he says no, he hasn't. Yes, bloody will do now. That kind of vibe. I think. Yeah, I mean that ends a great special. It is fantastic. uh, And I looked at what it was
2: up against on that that christmas day that time slot on christmas day by the way
1: oh yeah i think Um, i did that what did you
2: find um so uh, not much in the way of competition there was a um on itv there was sister act don't know if it was its uh, premiere but it was sister act on channel four it was um, a drama about the composer henry purcell with um Simon Simon Callow and on BBC2 an Alan Bennett documentary about Westminster Abbey right. which um, which I quite like Alan Bennett I might have watched that but I think there wasn't much in the way of competition so I imagine it was you know a stormer that year
1: yeah well I had down Alan Partridge No know Me No you. there's Good Night Sweetheart Christmas special there's the Thin Blue Line special 2.4 Children The Detectives Keeping Up Appearances and Last of the Summer Wine
2: no I mean you're talk- I'm talking about uh,
1: On at the same time that it was on the same day broadcast same yes. day. Yeah, mine's, po- mine's probably between Christmas day. yeah. Mine's probably between sort of the twenty third of December and twenty eighth Yeah, just the period Fair of enough. Christmas telly. But yeah, I didn't see the exact schedulings for that day.
2: So was it was it Noemi Knowing Yule that year?
1: You um say? I know it's Noomi knowing Yule, but it was down as Noomi knowing you. There might be It'll more, be more be than one partridge special because I know one of them was Noomi knowing Yule. Yeah. Um, so I like probably Naomi was knowing. that
2: one which was a, which was a, um, a corker.
1: It really was. Cause he did two series of did 94, ninety four ninety five. No, anyway. Yeah. I know what you mean though. Cause I had, I had that on video. I think just a few notes I made about, I say I made, but I took from the book. So you really got to get that Weber book. It, it is out there. Mm. So Susie yeah. Belbin and David Renwick felt that Richard Wilson's performance when they were shooting those initial scenes in the restaurant were flat. Um, they felt that he left Richard Wilson, left Victor in London as they, phrased it he had no sort of edge to his delivery uh, and they also had to reshoot it and Susie had to sort of speak to him privately over lunch that day just to say look come on whatever pep talk she had and then of course he nailed it but I think it's because they went sort of most of the year without recording I think that's probably yeah. easily easily done in that profession where Richard Wilson would have been doing other projects stage work and, and so forth and you, it's, I suppose it's easily easily done you sort of forget how you portray a certain. I think that's why a lot of comeback comedies especially They don't work as well because I I honestly think the actors almost forget how to portray the character organically, like they used to. So, like Royal Family. I think you watched Royal Family.
2: Yeah, I'm not. I've not never never been that keen on that actually. Okay,
1: well, I've not really seen it. A lot of people, it's just one of those, it was a superb three series, brought a special back a few years after they ended the series, which was still good. And then subsequently, a bit like Fools and Horses released Christmas specials, sort of three Mm -hmm. or four of them. The dynamics of the characters changed massively. And it's suddenly more of a pantomime sort of version of themselves, rather than, I know people move on in life and you might not act how you are, but if it's a comedy, you want it to get, you want it to try, you want it to continue where you left off, ideally. But, um, yeah, yeah that, I know might be, that might I, be in the case for Richard.
2: I can think of very few. In fact, I'm struggling to think of it, many comedies that came back and were as successful or, or better than the original sort of run. Very few, yeah. Because uh, um, oftentimes, often, because oftentimes it's because the actors have left or the, the series is finished because the principal actors have gone off because they think they want to do something more. And then, if they've maybe they've failed to do something more or they've struggled to to sort of slough off that character. They've kind of almost grudgingly come back and said, okay, we'll make another series. And yeah. so there's almost got like that sense that they're kind of doing it under protest.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, they don't like to be typecast, do they, I suppose? Which, you suppose you wouldn't. Remwick enjoyed that initial restaurant scene though. I think he, he highlighted the differences between sort of Victor and Margaret's personality when you got Margaret blissfully unaware about her blasé attitude to what the witch has said and Victor's obviously deeply concerned. I think he really liked that. That stunt man, yeah. who, you know, when Victor jumps out the window, is played by a Gabriel Cronley, um, who stunted for Sean Connery, amongst many others. So he's got right. quite a bit of it. And apparently, at the time when this stunt man was filming for one foot, his daughter was getting married the next day. So he was really against sort of having his hair cut too short, and he had to go careful not to damage anything Mm. on his body because he didn't want to turn up in those wedding photographs with cuts and bruises, but he obviously did cut himself a bit, but nothing too. He
2: didn't didn't want to turn up in a full body cast.
1: (laughs) No, (laughs) no, drinking liquids. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently in the old days of Teletext, which I'm sure you remember, I certainly do. There was a Mm. journalist called Sam Brady. I think he's known to be quite a rude TV critic, very harsh, Mm. but he Mm. very much complimented this episode as special as like being the, the only comedy that year that lives up to expectations so that's quite a big compliment compared to those other comedies mm. i mentioned just now was ultimately... sorry
2: sorry tom can you just quickly run through the ones you said the, the shows
1: that you mentioned so yeah They're... over the christmas period 95 good night sweetheart. alan partridge mm. thin blue line 2.4 yep. 2. 2. 4 children the detectives uh so jasper carrot rob powell keeping up appearances yes. and last of the summer wine it is um, right. a, a very good job that, for storyline's sake, that Victor's the name of Victor's dad was never revealed before. Because you imagine they you just call something different? Because you couldn't you couldn't do that sort of uh, trickery, could you, with the graves? though? no, that's yeah. true. That's a very good point. I mean, there there is continuity, isn't there? In
2: or uh, well, have you picked up on any major continuity gaffes in One Foot in the
1: Grave in terms of where a character's name or or an age or something has been. So- something has been discussed before i think it was ben who i had on i've mentioned this before he pointed out that when victor gets all his clobber out from the loft the 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 magician equipment he says surely that would have all perished in their first house oh
2: yes 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 of course yeah i remember that Mm -hmm.
1: there wasn't uh, the only explanation i can think of for two things one he might have kept them at someone else's house for a while like jeans or relative's house and then when they moved they took it back again or it just didn't perish magically and a lot of it was sort of maybe fire damage but usable but that was that was the main one that um, ben thought of i don't think there's anything i think um in series six patrick's office room and then this might make sense now because i i just reminded myself that why but i used to think that patrick's layout layout in his office room was totally different to the previous series that's because they moved house of course in the series six he's got like mm. um no wind he's got no window on the wall like you know where he sees um in um, the man who blew away brian murphy walk across mm. naked there's no window there but of course it's a new house so <laughs> i basically made a fool of myself when i spoke to richard drew and said why is that there that's not consistent that's not con- continuity because obviously I was talking to him about sets and he didn't really have an answer. And I know why, it's because it's a different house. So I didn't really um, think about that question when I raised it. Yeah. But well, I can't think mm. of anything, no. Mm. But um I can't. There's very little you can fault with one foot in the grave. Very little. It's just a masterpiece. Yeah. This is this is this is I, most people's favorite episode, I think. Yes, absolutely.
2: This I would say in Beast in the Cage and well you could there's, there's a dozen you could mention, but this is probably certainly one of the one of them up there, yeah.
1: So have you yeah. got any other final thoughts? for this episode before we move on to your
2: no, no, it's just a very well constructed meticulously plotted hour of television it's not, terrible. you know, it was a Christmas special, it wasn't It wasn't Christmas themed but there was snow, you got snow you got, like you mentioned earlier, you got Margaret's festive outfit at the beginning yeah. and it's perfect, obviously it would be perfect Christmas day, family viewing, 9 o'clock, BBC One Uh, nothing there that's going to upset you know grandma whereas a couple of years later if not a year later maybe two years later the men behaving badly Christmas special can you remember yeah (laughs) can you remember that Um, yeah would have offended quite a few members of the family I would have thought but so you know um, and you just and and you don't tend to these days you get Mrs Brown's boys but you don't really tend to get that you know hour-long Christmas day prime time comedy special
1: no I don't see you don't faultless I mean my favourite episode is Endgame certainly out of all the specials Christmas specials and Algarve included The Wizard of the Witch yeah I mean it's probably top five I I probably have revised my top five with one foot many times rearranging the dusters in there it's magic absolute magic onwards with your Meldry Moon take it away okay.
2: okay so this is about <laughs> this is about people being selfish in supermarkets okay okay um back when things were normal and you mm-hmm. could uh quite easily nip into a supermarket just for a couple of things you know not to do a big shop, just nip in yeah. so you might want to nip in you need you need a uh, banana you pick up a banana you pick up a tin of shoe polish that's all you need um, but it's one of those supermarkets that doesn't have self-service tills it doesn't have like uh, 10 items or less yeah. till yeah you've only got the big bank of 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 normal tills normal checkouts and it's busy and you see a till that's not so busy and you make your way to it you've only got your two items you make your way to it just as you reach it this that gets in front of you pushing this massive <laughs> uh, trolley the size of an armored personnel carrier with Hmm. a pyramid of food in it okay now normally normally you know, people are um uh, polite and people yeah. uh considerate and normally what would happen in that scenario is as you both reach the till and that person just just got in there just before you yeah. oh you go first. you've ten... only
1: got you've only got three items.
2: No, so you want to go in front mate absolutely you want to go and you just and i don't know about you but i am so overwhelmed with gratitude so yeah i just think that's i just think okay it's it's a small thing and it's maybe added an extra 30 seconds to their supermarket journey or experience okay it's 30 unless unless you're paying all in pennies or your cards declined or yeah or you're writing a check or whatever okay but it's the ones and there are and it happens a lot you know it used to happen a lot there's the ones who who steadfastly will refuse to look you and refuse to meet your eye
1: yeah, they, they pretend
2: you're not there, don't they? They pretend you're not there and they're loading up all the food. You know, the, all the food won't fit on the conveyor belt. It's going to be two lots on the, you know what I mean? And by the time you know that by the time their food has gone through the, the checkout, um, you know, your banana is going to be black, basically. And they're, they're not acknowledging you, they're not looking at you. And it would have just taken. It, it, all you had to do was turn around, and say, "Look, mate, you've only got two items. You go in front. You know, I, sort I, yourself I, I, out."
1: I've been there before, though, where I've let uh, more than two or three people in front of me, and I say, "Where'd you stop?" You know, I. Oh yeah, and it's 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 I, it's, it's it's not. It's, I think. Um, funny one. It's, I would do you say to do you
2: use. For? No, you use the rule. You know, when you're driving.
1: Yeah, and how if, you if do do there's a out?
2: traffic. How many you let one person out and then you and then you go and so on. You don't let more than one person out. You are courteous, you let one person out and yeah. then you move on. Yeah. Okay. So I would say it's the same principle. <laughs> but um, the sense of uh like I said, that I'm always I'm thanking people, I'm mouthing thank you to people because I'm on my way yeah, up the yeah, top. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. so grateful. Yeah, but it's the bastards that don't acknowledge your existence and and kind of just, you know, they want to make sure that they get there first. So yeah, that's
1: yeah. general public for you they are mostly good people, but sometimes they have an off day. And uh, well, I was yeah. gonna—I
2: was gonna say because um, my biggest, my biggest gripe has always been, and will always remain. Um, and I was gonna say this until someone else, one of the other guests, pipped me to the post, was people who go on quiz shows and use—that um, was before my time—as an excuse. Oh for right, yeah. answering your question. <laughs> um, that always boils my blood. Because I think, you know, there's nothing in the rules that say that none of the questions will predate yeah. 1989 or whatever. Yeah. And you've heard of Hitler and you've heard of the Beatles and you've
1: heard of the Bible. So, yeah, I yeah, know. It's, it? <laughs> it's not very consistent, is it? It's not very consistent. You make some valid moans. All this, let's say, is thank you very much for joining me. two oh, Thank you, Tom. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Continue to listen. I hope you continue to listen to the podcast. Oh, yes. So many episodes Absolutely. left to go. Everyone no. back home, please stick with it. We're. You know, we're nearly a year into this podcast now, and um, five series down already. So um, it will soon be over when series six is done, when the comic relief specials done. Well, who knows what will, what will happen to the pod? But well, that's that's mm. when you'll be moving on to your man behaving badly. I, <laughs> <say for you. laughs> I I um I recently um I sort of wanted someone to do a royal family one, and there is a royal family one. I give someone a free plug: the Royal Ramble, Royal Family. I know you're not a fan, but. For those who are there is a podcast for royal family fans men being badly i don't know i don't think i could talk in depth about men being as i could sound so, so like one foot no because no. it's just silliness in one in men being badly just sort of non-story storylines that don't really matter it, it's not really yep. one of those but if someone wants to start one i'll happily guest appear there is also mm-hmm. um a 2.4 children podcast don't slam me podcast by um, a guest i'm having on jd collins uh, go and check that out if you're a 2.4 children fan it's out at the same sort of time as one foot both writers cl- close friends have worked on previous projects so it's uh have you watched 2.4 children that's quite years dark. ago yeah yeah
2: yes it is actually because it was um andrew marshall wasn't it it was Andrew marshall yeah work, worked with renwick
1: yeah lot. yeah so mm. there's a touch of dark comedy in that as well it's not, mm-hmm. it's not as maybe as obvious but uh yeah it's very good but yeah go and listen to to those new podcasts on the block um already recommend them because well i star on the first one of don't slam Me podcast that's obvious reason to listen to it but the royal ramble is um a very in-depth review of that show great sitcom great cash caroline yeah. all right so tyler thanks very much for your time and um keep in touch thank you tom it's been great talk yes. to you soon thanks bye <laughs>